Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. It is I once again, Illegal86. I am joined as always by my good friends, Tactic and Nerd Bomber. April showers bringing Mayflowers. Well, the Mayflowers aren't here yet, but, but the, the April, April showers, showers I mean, sure are. Oh, yeah, they're sho- they're, they're, they do be showering. Make sure your umbrellas are, I don't know. Just make sure you have one, I guess. I don't remember the last time I used an umbrella. That's a, I just like don't do it. Am I the only person who feels this way about umbrellas? No, I think I'd almost rather get wet than have to figure out what to do with a wet umbrella when I get to where I'm going. It's a huge pain in like three different ways. Sometimes it doesn't unfold or refold correctly. Other times it'll like blow around. And then, yeah, when, once you get inside, you have to like try and fit it through the door before you, you know, slam it down. Then you just have a wet umbrella that's closed. I wish I, I had figured... the swagger of a person that carries a be- an umbrella, though. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Like a, like a cane style umbrella that has like a the curved handle on it? I just feel like there's a certain class of person that has an umbrella. Like, I don't know. They just Well, you know, they have the like Monopoly the, man. the long pea coat and the, the nice shiny black shoes and the suit and with the, the nice hat and they're, you know, tap dancing in the rain with their umbrella. Is that the kind of swagger yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Wall, Wall Street guy. I think you're, you're thinking Wall Street guy, but I guess the tap dancing is a little... Yeah, minus the cocaine. Minus the cocaine, definitely. Yeah, April showers. That's the that's the only point I wanted to make. But we have a jam-packed show today, as we often do. We're gonna be talking. We're gonna be going back to Indie World. We've been to Indie World a few times now. We're going back because we keep getting opportunities to travel there. So we're gonna be talking about that. We're gonna be talking about Twilight. Remember, remember Twilight. That actually hasn't been gone for that long, but you can probably guess at this point why we're gonna be talking about it. And then we're gonna be talking about Netflix, but in a context that you probably forgot about. That's a weird tease, but that's it's the truth. Netflix has evolved as a company. And from a tumble beginnings, it became a behemoth. But those humble beginnings just came into the news again. So we'll, we'll be getting into that as well. But first, I'm going to do something absolutely crazy this week. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm changing things up. I'm re-engineering the podcast without permission. This this piece of advice that I'm going to be giving this week is basically directly tied to my What Are You Up To Wednesday or one of the major points of my What Are You Up To Wednesday address. So I want to talk about Rotten Tomatoes. And in particular, I want to talk about the piece of advice I have today, which is always check. Are you guys Rotten Tomatoes users? Like if you're going to watch a movie, do you check what the score is first? So we check both IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Interesting. Okay. I don't check IMDb, but I typically, typically will always check Rotten Tomatoes first. And so I think some apps, like I think, I think Amazon Prime might just show you right away. Yeah, it does. On the same, it shows you, which is nice. In this particular case, we were on Netflix, which does not show you. I think Netflix gives like stars, but I don't, again, I feel like you're taking your chance. Like Rotten Tomatoes is, you know, the aggregation of all critics and audiences. So I feel like you have, it has the best chance of being accurate. Like IMDb, like stuff gets review bombed. I guess on Rotten Tomatoes that happens too, but I don't know if I trust IMDb as much as I trust Rotten Tomatoes in any case. I also, I don't, I have to mention, so Netflix uses that like percent, like close match system and it doesn't actually give you a rating. And sometimes I am like, Netflix, how do you perceive me that you think this is a close match to what I would want to right. watch? Right. Yeah, they they ask they ask for some weird stuff. They're like, "Well, you're a total weirdo. Here's this weird thing we have that <laughs> no one else is watching. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll watch it." Anyways, on Netflix, I think it was in the top 10. It might be if you go and look on Netflix right now if you're watching this or if you're listening to this episode with any sort of recency, you might go on Netflix and you might see it in the top 10 cuz I'm 99% sure it was in the top 10 when we watched it yesterday which was April 22nd. It's a movie called The Snowman. 
Have you ever, have you, either of you ever heard of oh, this movie? Oh, I saw that in the top 10 and I was like, I don't know what this is and I don't want to watch it. Let me throw some names at you. Okay. Let me, let, let me put it this way. Let me try to explain to you why I didn't feel that it was necessary to check the Rotten Tomatoes score. This movie was produced by Martin Scorsese. It had Michael Fassbender in it. Okay, it had Rebecca Ferguson in it. Hot take. Scorsese movie, immediately out. I think that's a reasonable take. I mean, his movie's tend to be very long. He didn't direct this one or write it or anything. He just produced it. I think he was originally supposed to direct and he backed out, which I learned after the fact and probably would have been a good canary in a coal mine for the rest of my experience. So Martin Scorsese, Michael Fassbender, Rebecca Ferguson, J.K. Simmons. These are like, That's these a, are that, like names. That intrigues me. Yeah, it's a, it's a murder mystery. It takes place in Norway. Michael Fassbender is the detective. It's based on a very famous series of Norwegian novels. This was the worst movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> this, this had, a, and so the movie, the credits rolled. There's a certain point in a movie, as I'm sure you know, where my wife and I turned to each other. And actually she did almost immediately. And I didn't really listen to her, which was my mistake. She was like, this seems bad. And I was like, let's give it a chance. And then probably an hour into the two hour experience. At that point, sunk cost. You got to keep going. Exactly. Exactly. We turned to each other and we're like, not only is this bad, we know who did it. So now we're just sitting here for an hour watching them find out who did it when we already know, which in the mystery genre is the most cardinal sin that you can commit. Looked it up after the fact. This movie had a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, Guys, that's no. hard I didn't to do. Know that the, I didn't that's know hard to that do. Well. I don't remember what the audience was. I think it was like 18 like world-class bad if you read this is it's a cautionary tale I, I i guess my advice for this week it's, it's really the advice for this week is check rotten tomato scores before watching movies but more like tangibly it's don't ever watch the snowman on netflix even if you think it's a good idea even if you think it'll be funny because of how bad it's not even funny bad it's just bad they i guess ran out of money and or time when they were filming it so 15 percent of the screenplay went unfilmed which means parts of the story didn't make sense and they just like put it out anyways. The director, like a week before the premiere, disowned the movie and was like, it didn't work as a movie. This story, which was great as a book, did not work as a movie. And he was right. It was so bad. It was terrible. Guys, check Rotten Tomatoes. Check IMDb. Like you said, ch- check multiple sources you know if what? you want. That's, that's, that's what the loser of the quiz is going to have to do. Watch a movie on that has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I actually really love that. I think there are some. There's a that lot. There's zero. actually a lot. I'm open to that as a punishment, and I think we should we should jot that down. But again, you run the you run the chance that it might be funny bad. I used to watch funny bad movies all the time. I've seen half of I've Nick Cage's filmography. You guys remember the movie bad. Problem Child? Zero percent. I do not remember the movie Problem Child. It sounds kind of familiar, actually, but I don't think I've ever seen it. There was a, a case, sequel to The Highlander. Zero percent. Check Rotten Tomatoes. We could have saved ourselves two hours. We could have watched something different. You know, that is two hours of your life. Like when you're on your deathbed someday, you're going to look back and be like, yeah. on April 22nd, 2023, I wish I could have just gotten those two hours back. Yeah, this is, I'm serious. This is deathbed quality stuff. <laughs> like I'm going to look back and be like, that. what a waste. I could have watched something that was good because there's like, I mean, we have, we have a lot of streaming services. I could have watched a bunch of stuff. And instead we chose to watch this kind of on a whim. We're on a bad streak right now. As far as streaming movies, I think I talked about Divergent last week. If not, I meant to, because that was also bad. Well, then we have a really good suggestion for you, which you'll immediately take and throw out. But we'll get to that when we get to the what are you up to? Yeah, this I'm, I'm again, I'm doing things out of order. I apologize for that. But I just I, I wanted my advice to be check Rotten Tomatoes scores again. Just treat me like a cautionary tale here. People kind of crap on Rotten Tomatoes a lot. I think for some reason they like they think it's too minimizing. And like in fairness, there's always movies that are going to have low scores that you're going to see and be like, hey, you know what? That was fun. Or like it wasn't that bad. But like six percent. I feel like that's beyond the pale. 
I feel like it's just it's just bad. And uh, in this case, it was it was just bad. So check Rotten Tomatoes scores. Don't watch the snowman. The main let me just one more. I just want to say one more thing. The main character's name in this movie, and this is not a joke. You're gonna think it's a joke. Michael Fassbender's character's name is Harry Hole. Been there, Harry. <laughs> Harry Hole, guys. I get that it's Norwegian, but like, change the name. I would like to take this seriously, and uh, I couldn't. So, uh, anyways, The Snowman available on Netflix now to stream. It might still be in the top ten because a lot of people probably did what I did. Saw the cast and the premise, which sounds really good, and based on the Warming novel, and it's 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 absolute trash. So let's talk. Let's let's talk about something more cheerful than that because that just put me in like. A, let's talk about a funny bad movie that I watched in high school, and that movie was a phenomenon in society and that movie was called twilight do you guys remember what let's let's go back because i think this was like 2008 2009 if i had to guess when the first twilight came out twilight's coming back it's coming back as a television show it's an early development at lionsgate tv it's one of like really the two major properties that they own in this kind of ya sphere the other one i believe it's in this article the hunger games franchise is the other big one that they own yeah early development no buyer yet but they're essentially looking to to revive this thing why first of all well we'll, we'll talk about the why but it's a really good question it's a really good question are either have you either of you seen any of the twilight i have read all the books and seen all of them if you were a teenage okay. girl in like the 20 oh it's lightning in a bottle yeah the 2000s yeah. the early 2000s to 2010s like you had to and it if was you were a thing. boy trying to like feign interest of a teenage girl you maybe saw the first one and then said you know what it's not worth it is this based on a per- is that a personal experience that you had correct okay i watched it actually the f- I, I think i initially watched it because um do you guys know mystery science theater 2000 like riff tracks yes riff tracks did twilight and it's really really funny i strongly recommend it and that's how i first saw twilight so y- y- you could make the argument that twilight never had a chance with me because i immediately was watching it in this farcical parody context where they were kind of just tearing it down and making fun of it the whole time with that said it's very easy to make fun of it <laughs> because like in particular i think Baseball. Kristen stewart is a is is a very good actress i think robert pattinson is a good actor Kristen stewart is like pretty bad in this movie uh, in the original one, I think she's pretty bad, and I'm not sure that's her fault necessarily. It might also be the fault of like the writing and the and the circumstance and all of it. But yeah, the the, the deeper question here, which is why, uh, has a very singular and obvious answer, and it's the answer to many questions these days in the media sphere. The answer is money. There's no other answer. And while I get that, like not to cut you off, but this will make money. There that, are some franchises you, that I un I understand that it will be a money generator. There are other book franchises that are being rebooted into tv shows i don't know if this is one of them this is one of those things that was lightning in a bottle like you said but like younger teens there are so many new ya properties like this is probably not even on their radar anymore everything about like the original story and books felt a little bit dated like nowadays let's be real there's no way with smartphones that a sparkly twinkly vampire would not be caught on somebody's tiktok sometime and additionally like now everybody i know who was around to read them and was part of the initial zeitgeist so like the movies and everything like we're kind of old enough where we look back and we're like you know what i'm not gonna like judge myself for liking this but it's a little cringy and i don't know if i would go back and rewatch a show about it the key is the timing of it and 
the the yes. problem is and why why I think Twilight was successful was because we were in sort of this vampire boom, right? There wasn't just Twilight coming out at that time. There was I think it was called 30 True. 30 night 30 days of night or something like that. There was True Blood. True was Blood. A big deal. There was uh, Vampire Diaries. Oh yeah, I forgot Although about I think, that. I actually I I think Vampire Diaries came after. Like it on the heels of Twilight, but it was still like it was. There was a vampire. There, vampire. there was underworld. There was like there, it was wasn't just like romance vampires. It was just holistically just we were being inundated with vampires. It was Didn't the MCU back, of vampires. They brought back too. They did the remake of that Johnny Depp vampire movie. I can't rem- like the remake had Johnny Depp in it. It was a vampire movie. I can't remember what it was called, but that was what around we that do time. in the shadows. Yeah, maybe. Oh no! You're th- are you talking about interview with the vampire? Because that was also a thing that happened. Although then there was like the '90s. And so my, my my point was that was all kind of in this whole big boom of vampire. Vampires were hot. Okay, if when they're done, when they're ready to release this, there ha- happens to be another resurgence, right? If there's maybe some data that Hollywood's been gathering that's saying, hey, we're going to concurrently do this, then I think it'll be successful. But I think you need that full on burst of interest in vampires for it to carry the weight well i I think nerd bomber you touched on something important too which is the the time the time frame and and in particular like i don't think i don't think we talked about the harry potter reboot on this on this show because that also that news or that tv series broke a week or two ago and perhaps even subconsciously we didn't talk about it because jk rowling is a terrible person but we're talking about it now because I think both of these shows have an interesting question that has to be answered, which is, do you film this show? Harry Potter took place in the 90s. Twilight ostensibly took place in the... 2000s. Yeah, like the early to mid 2000s. I think I agree with your point, which is that like in the era of cell phones and like current teenager lifestyle, I guess I'll say, I don't think either of those stories would make as much sense. So how do you manage that? Do you do you create a Twilight television show that is in, in, an, it's in and of itself also kind of a period piece of going back to the early 2000s for whatever emblematic of a time frame that may be? Like, does it make more sense to retain that time frame? I would think the answer is yes, but I also don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> like, I think they're going to like make it. It's tough because you also have to think about how do we make this applicable and resonant with today's generation, which may be hard. I don't think anyone wanted this. I, I, I yeah, like it's, it's, we've talked about so many of these reboots and reimaginings and no one wants this. I like, think one, throw of the it, things, on the pile. one of the things that's so confusing to me is that there are so many, like, especially if you want to play in the YA space, there are so many new YA properties that have not been adapted yet that are really good and really, really popular with today's, you know, young adults and even adult adults. Why not do one of those? I don't understand. At, at some point, I, I think like Lionsgate looks at Twilight and the Hunger Games as IPs and they see them as sure money makers, sure things. But like, okay, and this kind of goes back that's to what I was change. saying before. Like the Hunger Games, I get because A, that's like future dystopian. And that was something that I think bridged generational gaps and was one of the you know properties, obviously, that came after Harry Potter that showed that YA could kind of cross into adult entertainment. And I don't mean like adult, like woo woo entertainment, like adults could enjoy it just <laughs> as much as teens, you know? And so sure. I think that would be successful in coming back because people took it seriously. Twilight was not taken seriously. And I don't know if it has as much adult appeal at this point. Like it would be like There's... one of us going and watching. Oh, shoot. What are one of the CW shows? about? Twilight had a ton of adult appeal when it even came out. That's why we have Fifty Shades of Grey. It was a fan I don't fix know, spin-off. but it was so cringy, and I don't know if people see it in the same light as the Hunger Games, like in terms of IP quality. 
I, don't I could know be that the wrong. issue here is is crossing generational lines and generating appeal with both younger people and older people. I think the issue is that there's a growing demand for stories that are original. And like, I'm sorry, this is not original. People, most people, young and old, have seen The Hunger Games by now. They have seen or at least are aware of Twilight by now. Twilight was a big enough touchstone that people who were born after 2000 probably know about it and have seen parts of it and know what the general gist is. They're not going to be as interested in that as, like you said, another YA series that has not yet been adapted that people don't know about. You know, like, I I just, I think eventually this sure thing, quote unquote, is going to become less and less sure and companies are going to stop doing it. But I I, I guess we're not there yet is maybe what the, the primary takeaway here is, which... I think we all agree is a little upsetting. Completely but. unrelated, but you know what series Netflix should pick up as like a like a like a young not even young adult, but like a I think that would in today's like graphical capabilities would do really well. Magic Treehouse. No. Animorphs. It's okay, a good guess though. <laughs> oh yeah. I think Animorphs I, I would like to see Animorphs get a yeah. Get a treatment. There was a TV show like back in the day, right? And I feel like they yeah, could it was easily terrible. I mean, it was like 90s television. Right. Okay. That's why it was bad. I think w- with the new CGI capabilities, I think that would do phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Can we all petition to bring back Animorphs like as a whole? Just make it pop again. I was reading fairly recently about Animorphs and about the whole gist of what the Animorphs series is about. It was dark. It's like pretty deep. Like it, it's I, I, you always think of them because of their like ridiculous book covers in school libraries and you figure there was like four or five books and they were like kind of self-contained and ridiculous stories no there's like a sweeping narrative like it's like a very intense yeah like it's dark it has a lot to it people may be surprised to to, to hear that do you know who was in the animorphs tv show back in 1998 sean ashmore i have absolutely no idea who that is really should i know who that is yeah uh he does a lot of like nerdy stuff he's been in video games he was in oh oh he was in quantum break yeah and he's the quantum in, break guy he's in x-men as well yeah he's the cold guy yeah i can't think of his name wow he was in animorphs is that where he got his start uh, we don't need to delve into sean ashmore sean ashmore's like filmography but that's interesting yeah let's make animorphs a tv show and i don't know let's put it on uh i don't know amazon prime who should who should get that not disney plus veto we'll figure it out so yeah, should there be a Twilight series? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at OW at Lee 86 at OW Technic, at OW Nerdbomber, and our main show account at Online Warriors One to have a conversation about, you know, how far Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart have come. Who do you think should be the next Bella and Edward? And Sean Jacob. Ashmore. He may have aged out. I, I, look, he no could be he could Sean be Ashmore. Edward's dad, whoever I forgot what his name was, but Edward's dad. I had, honest to gosh, I could not say. But um yeah, let us know. And uh, let us know if you think it should happen. And if not, then why not? And if why, then why? Let's 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 talk about and let's kind of stay with stay with movies and TV ish for a second. Let's talk about Netflix. Let's talk about the fact that Netflix up until last week was still doing the DVD thing because it's kind of the sort of thing. Where it, so I've done some reading on this since we just chose it as a topic. I guess people were like really using it, which I didn't know. I mean, it kind of but, makes sense, like. So a lot of areas, obviously, we're all kind of spoiled and we take good internet for granted. But if you live in an area where you don't have access to high speed internet very easily, like if you're living out in like the sticks or something where the internet infrastructure isn't that great, why wouldn't you do Netflix DVD service? 
Sure. And I'm like, I, a few years ago, I lived across the street from a family video and I would go there and rent DVDs, even though I had Netflix and all that stuff. There was something about renting DVDs that was kind of cool because you're, I mean, Netflix's DVD service has more selection, deeper cut movies. I think people who like, like older, like older movies, subtitled movies, stuff like that, like they're going to have more luck with the DVD subscription than with streaming i guess i just didn't know that was still it was still going on and also that so many people were using it now i do say so many people i was reading an article from cnn i believe it accounted yeah it accounted for 0.6 percent of their revenue in 2021 so not very much which is probably why they got rid of it but you know there's things like special features to consider dvd like audio commentaries on the on dvds that don't exist in i bet you the the people that are using it are like hey grandma what videos do you want me to get for you and then they'll go into their subscription and deliver and bring them to to grandma's house grandma will watch the movies and they'll mail them back out for like it's not even grandma's account they're just like bringing some movies to grandma so that grandma can you know stay up to date no no mention of grandmas in the article that i read but it's possible that grandmas were a really? significant I, piece of this 0.6% pie. My article said know. that about 76.2% of all Netflix DVD users were grandma. I'm making that up. Yeah, that sounds about right. But no, it, it's it's interesting to think, you know, we talked somewhat recently about like the revival of Blockbuster or whatever. It, it's especially in the context of that, it's easy to forget that Netflix was still doing DVD by mail. Even, like the logo was even different back when they were doing DVD by mail. Remember the old logo? Remember the old Netflix logo? Mm-hmm. The colors haven't really changed, but it was like, it was kind of different. So yeah, I don't know. So I have... Gone but not forgotten, I guess. Yeah, go, go ahead. I have two comments here. So first of all, my first comment is don't forget that your local library, for the most part, most libraries do rent for free DVDs, even new releases. That's a good PSA. So... Yeah, and, blu- and Blu-rays. And Blu-rays. So if you're still in the market for physical media... Make sure you become a patron of your local library because they also need everyone's support and usage. And the more you support your local library, even by going and checking out materials for free, the uh, more resources they're allocated. And secondly, I have a feeling, and this is just like as a whole. So remember how like vinyl went the way of the dinosaurs or so we thought when like cassette tapes came out and then cds and then mp3s and you know people like my dad who have their record player sitting in his closet yeah like they were like oh this is a dead medium but now vinyls are hopping people love vinyls they've become a collectible my dad is in the it's hopping category okay yeah he's he's like back he's like in that so like sort of thing I would not be surprised if, you know, give it 15 years or so, DVDs and Blu-rays make a resurgence because I feel like what tends to happen, especially as we move towards like a digital medium for our entertainment, is that eventually the physical thing comes back because people just like to collect cool stuff and it becomes like a novelty. So I would not be surprised if in like 15 years, you know, if Blu-ray technology is still around at least like blu-rays and maybe even dvds might make a comeback so watch out just like the i have a blu-ray collection it's it's very small but i do have one and they're all movies that i appreciate like there's at least a handful of them where i appreciated i bought it because i appreciated the movie enough that i was like i want to have this you know there's it's a pride of ownership thing it's just like books very similar concept definitely agree and i mean sometimes you know the only way you can watch something is via blu-ray or dvd like 
So every year, and I feel like we've probably talked about this, but we watch No Strings Attached, which is the fantastic Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher rom-com from the 2000s. And it's become like not our yearly tradition. the Justin Timberlake no. one. No, no, Don't no. Don't get no. him confused. Do not get him yeah. confused. But for a few years there, it was very difficult to find on streaming. And it was actually like pretty expensive to rent if you could rent them off. I think it was like Vudu or something like that because none of the other streaming services had it. It was like $15. So I went out and I bought the Blu-ray of that bad boy. And now I don't have to worry about that. And you probably bought it for like six bucks. It's a song. <laughs> and it came yeah. with How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, I think. It was like a dual DVD. Ooh, the combo. Yeah. Love the combo. Anyway, sorry, Netflix. It's, well, well I mean, I won't personally miss the DVD service, but I, I think they were doing grandma a good thing. Will. Me grandma will. Yeah. 76.2% of grandmas. It's an official stat that we've pulled from nowhere. So uh, just bear that in mind when you're when you're thinking through this. Okay, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back to talk a little bit about Indie World, which is one of our main topics of the day. But before we do, of course, I would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Steve, Sir, Sir Stephen Keller. Sorry. Yeah, yes. A round, a round of applause. I'm doing that thing where you, you know, where you, you do a round of applause where you circle your hands oh, yeah. while you're clapping. I can see it. That's it's great. A, it's an old classic. Sir Steven has been supporting us on our Patreon for a while now at the highest of our three levels of support, which is the night level. We did knight him. We did the like sword over the shoulder thing. And uh, yeah, he gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. Of course, he also gets input into the weekly game segment. He, of course, gets the occasional guest spot on the show as well as this producer shout out. So you want to be like Steven. If you feel like you are not quite as noble as he is, that's understandable. Very few people are. There's also a squire level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And there's a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. Patreon.com slash online warriors podcast is where you can get the details on any and all of those levels of support. You can head over there, say hi to Steven, say hi to us. And consider giving back to the show that hopefully has given you something. So again, that's patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Thanks again to Steven. We'll take a short break now and come back to talk about Indie World. Venture deep into the backwaters of space. Mint Space Station, a lawless metropolis run by gangsters, where anyone could earn a fair day's pay if they're willing. Ah, you're here for the job? Meet Cleo, a bipedal bear creature armed to the teeth. <laughs> if I was an inch taller, I'd be round! And Dr. Z, a psychic jellyfish. Now in surgery, we want to go for the heart and the brains. Join these friends on a haphazard adventure, trying to make their way in cold, uncaring space. A podcast filled with adventure, action, romance, and friendship to conquer the ages. So if you want to hear more from the Backwater Bastards, search Backwater Bastards wherever you get your podcasts or visit us at backwaterbastards.com. Backwater Bastards, a comedy sci-fi tabletop podcast. All right, Nintendo Indie World. We took a trip to Indie World last week. There was a 21 minute and change showcase that gave us some extended looks at a, at a small number of games and then also like a sizzle reel at the end that kind of shouted out like four or five additional ones. Now, in the interest of time, we have kind of hand selected a couple each to, to kind of talk through because there were there were a lot here that, you know, we, we got a couple of expansion announcements and and other things that we just simply don't have time to to go through but um 
I'm going to turn it over to to Nerd Bomber to start us off here. What was the what was the game that you saw that you were like, oh heck yeah, Little Kitty Big City Hundo P. I saw this and I was just like, meow. This reminded me a lot of Stray. Do you guys remember that game that came out? I believe last year for the, the PS. Say, yeah, that one yeah. was about Pretty a little recent. kitty in a big city. Yeah, and this seems With like robots. a more. Not that Stray wasn't family friendly, but this seems like a more less robots young version and a more like less cyberpunky version of that game almost where you basically get to roam around and be a little kitty in a big city and wear some cute hats and have some kind of story adventure. And to me, this is like one of those things that's right up my alley lately. Alley cat. And <laughs> I see what you did there. I don't know. This just seemed really cute and fun, though. And I you, you guys know me. I love animals. So immediately cute cat hondo p this is this is all day for me yeah do you like cats i do i like all animals i don't discriminate but i do love cats it looks like a zen experience it looks like a very a very chill had a long day at the office just come home and be a little be a a little kitty be a little kitty in a big city it's kind of and again this this is one of the ones that i I applaud you for picking this one because i think we saw it on screen for like 10 to 15 seconds yeah it's (laughs) i don't mean to like Like, I'm not trying to crap on all of the ones that they really showcased, but it seemed like the ones that they didn't showcase looked really cool, and they should have spent more time on those than some of the other ones. Well, the thing that I don't understand, so concurrently, and this is in, like, separate videos, though, Nintendo also released in the full trailer on their channel for this game, and it was, like, a minute 15, maybe minute 30 trailer for it that looked really cool, and I just don't know. I understand, like, the concept of trying to limit the time for the showcase, but, you know, well, giving each of those games the full like minute trailer or so i think could have been a good call yeah cool. what what's uh, this, this was a meta point that i kind of wanted to make the like the sections of these where it's like hey i'm such and such developer we're so excited get rid of all that because it was like half of the indie world video and every single time i was like i don't care what you're saying and like why, and i'm sorry why were I know those people on a pond <laughs> this yeah they were in like a river like i know that like it's an indie showcase so like the indie developers may look forward to that aspect a lot, being able to talk to the public about their game. As as the public, let me say that we we do not care. Is that a fair? Well, I is think that, is that fair to say? If the game calls to me, I will look up more information and look up podcasts yes. with the developer yeah, or that videos, be the and interviews. Videos. Yeah, like that should yes. be like the if you want to hear more from the developers, go check out the additional videos that we've posted. You know? Yeah. Probably a quarter of this twenty minute video for the showcase was constituted of people just sitting on a couch being like, We made this game, we hope you like it. And I was like, Yeah, I know, I'm here to see the game. And like, I mean that's, that's that would be I, fine. Like I I want developers to be able to get their day in the sun. You know, they probably work hard and indie developers. But not, there's a better venue for it. Well, I think is, like I, even if limit the time. Like you don't have to show a weird, like minute long clip of people walking in a lake, like just say hey they were walking they were just they were just standing yeah okay but just be like hey this is this is my game check it out and then give me interviews in a different format or something i don't know right in any case yeah it's it's, again a meta point um i did not know there was another trailer for little kitty big city but i assume there's more cat tomfoolery that takes place and uh sticking with cats actually one of the ones i wanted to talk about was yeah you guys should know if you listen to the show for any amount of time that i'm a board game person quilts and the cats of calico really yes well calico is actually i've never played the board game calico but i've told it's very good it's been on my list for a while it has a solo mode which for me is a super important aspect of any board game worth its salt 
honestly the catch thing i could give or take it looks like there's like cat customization in this game as well i just kind of want to play the board game but it looked like it was a well-made thing and i'm all for more high quality board game ports existing on on the, on the switch so i was i don't have much more to say about it again because i never played the game so i don't know the ins and outs of it too much but it looked pleasant hopefully it costs like twenty dollars and that could be an easy twenty dollars for me to plunk down i think that's it for cat content though i don't know how many other cats there are featured in this so so tactic take us on a non-cat journey if, if if possible all right so you guys it feels like you guys were in the the chill vibe bandwagon i was more in like the boots and pants or boots and cats kind of side of the cats and what i mean by that is the rhythm games the two that really stood out to me was necrodancer and bomb rush cyberfunk both of those had you basically bobbing your head feeling good so before before i just kind of say that they're just fun jam i'm going to go into each one individually so necrodancer was exactly that it was kind of like a guitar hero-esque where the the beats were streaming down but your beats let you like fight the monsters and fight the boss fights and it was just kind of like a just a fun like bouncy like music game which i was vibing with it seemed just kind of chill popping your headphones and get playing bomb rush cyberfunk that that junk was tony hawk rollerblades fun music vibe for me and it looked like it had like all the tricks and then there was like a graffiti element so you get like side missions where it's not just roller skating it just looked like a fun time it took me back to my roots specifically tony hawk underground with the graffiti stuff right for reels but those were those yeah. were both like just sick beats good fun and just a good time i just got like head banging not head banging head bobbing good time now he was over there his hair was you know whipping back and forth he had the uh the finger horns up he was head banging i i think i've mentioned on the show I, like a month or two ago i talked about how i think guitar heroes should come back i think rhythm games should be a bigger deal than they are generally speaking i think they're so cool i don't own any now i'm not i'm not saying i'm contributing to their renaissance hey but yeah you should put your money where your mouth is man i'm i'm all for the resurgence of that genre and yeah these both like like you said they definitely are more so bing bang boom than <laughs> both kitty city and calico there's look it, look it takes a village it takes all kinds I will say what was cool about the showcase was the variety of different games that they showed. And I mean, that's something that I really love about the indie space in general. It feels like you get a little bit of everything. There was some side scroller action, like a lot of like retro vibe stuff. You know, Oxenfree looked like the Oxenfree 2, sorry, looked like a very like story driven, almost like a Stranger Things kind of vibe, which I never played the first one, but you know, it's yeah, produced I think by I Netflix. Need to do that. So like tracks i think i need to play oxen free that was my takeaway from watching the oxen free too and i honestly the same thing might be said of blasphemous maybe less so that one but like oxen free i was really like i need to i need to be playing this the other one that i maybe was most excited about to be honest i mean i, I used the catch segue before but the one that stuck out to me the most as being fun i am a big fan of overcooked and played up is basically overcooked when you're but you're not just in the kitchen anymore you're also in the front of the house which i think is a really good idea to kind of build on an already proven concept and it These has games are, st are stressful roguelike elements I, I too them. which you like lately See, um yeah that i'm less excited about i've i've kind of fallen off the returnal wagon because it's, it feels like a treadmill which is literally what roguelites are that game just looked too stressful for me i don't understand how i knew you were gonna like it but Matt, why do you like to be stressed it's so yeah it's frenetic if it again if, assuming it's anything like overcooked which it looked like it was it's it's frenetically paced it's i'm sure gonna make me a little sweaty but i think sometimes that's a good thing i think the co-op yes action 
makes it fun too and i think that's a big element of overcooked that makes that game fun is you know you're if you play with even one other person or a full group of four you know trying to shout instructions to each other and get coordinated and get in sync i think makes those games even though they're really frenetic still pretty fun yeah i i just again my i blew through overcooked so quickly when i first played it and i remember loving it so much that i just i think this would be a sure a sure hit for me also worth noting that this one comes out in october i'm just reading that right now there weren't as many that i like i always love indie world and you were talking about how how the variety is great i'm always super impressed whenever i watch the showcases i feel like there was less this time like oftentimes we get these showcases and they're like this one's out today I think we got less of that this time. And I don't know if there's a specific cause or reason for that, but there it was were, something I noticed. There were, I think, a couple that were released today, but like I don't remember which yeah. ones they even were, which is probably bad. I think Blasphemous 2 was one of the ones that... No, that wasn't that one. Cult of the Lamb DLC comes out April 24th, which was, I think, the day after the showcase or something. Well, no, that wouldn't be, right? Like a week after or something like that. But there were, yeah, there was at least one thing. Teslagrad 2 and Teslagrad Remastered. That was That's the one what that it was. I noticed yeah so yeah if, if, if it wasn't immediately clear there's a bunch here that we again just don't have time to cover a lot of dlc a lot of really cool things on display if you have 20 minutes you can sit down and watch the entire showcase and there's going to be something that sticks out to you that maybe didn't necessarily stick out to any of us uh, that's what makes the gaming world a wonderful and beautiful place so go check that out let us know on twitter handles already mentioned uh, what games you were excited about from the indie showcase whether they were ones that we mentioned or whether they were ones that we didn't yeah shout out to indie world it's a cool thing and you know i don't think like obviously sony and, and microsoft aren't really doing that yeah the way that the way that nintendo is and i i, I think that the eShop, for whatever reason and in whatever way it really fosters that there's so many games on the switch that are like five bucks and they might be really great games you know so just want to applaud nintendo for that that brings us to what are you up to wednesday first of all what are you up to wednesday what are you up to i already gave the the main chunk of my update with with the snowman which was horrible i the other thing i wanted to, to mention because i think i mentioned it previously on the show i started watching andor at one point and i kind of fell off the wagon on that show really exactly halfway through i stopped watching it for some i think i got busy or something uh, i picked it up again and i'm almost done with it and it's really good it's i think it's better than the mandalorian I think that's where I'm, especially with Mandalorian lately, has been taking a lot of missteps publicly, I should I should add. But I'm really enjoying Andor. So if you're looking for a Star Wars, you know, 12 episode jaunt, it, it, it may be worth looking at. But otherwise, I'll, I'll keep my update short today and I'll turn it over to Nerd Bomber. All right. So this is a big kind of tactic feeling update here, but this is not nerdy at all. But I got a small appliance that I really want to talk about. And it's all over TikTok. So you probably have been influenced to some degree or at least seen some videos about it. But the Ninja Creamy is a gift that I received a few months ago. And now that it's finally warming up, I'm like getting a chance to dig into it. And what this thing does is basically turns anything into ice cream. And seems like a bombastic kind of claim there. But so far, we've tried, we've made like a vanilla base ice cream. And this is all like, I'm, I will eat dairy. Let me be very clear about this. The world is not stopping me from eating dairy. I want mac and cheese. I will eat mac and cheese. I will suffer maybe later down the line, but I will eat it. But like this, poop wise, just to be yes, clear, to clarify. To be quite Which clear. I, I honestly don't think that's suffering. I think that's a welcomed release, but it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, go, go on. But this basically gave me the opportunity to test drive some non-dairy, non-preservative, if you care about that kind of thing, like very clean ingredient type ice creams. 
And so we've tried a vanilla base and then obviously we had to throw in some non-healthy things. So we put in like peanut butter cups and peanut butter and that was very, very good. We did a peaches and cream where it was basically just a bunch of frozen peaches that I thawed and then, you know, mixed up with a bunch of almond milk. And that was delicious. Also tried a one banana recipe with you know, a scoop of chocolate protein powder and some almond milk. And that was not as chef's kissy because the banana flavor kind of took over. And I think I maybe need to throttle that back a little bit, but still pretty chef's kiss. It was very creamy and delightful. And then we also have like, you can just take a can of pineapple chunks and dump it into the pint and then freeze it overnight. And then the next day you can make ice cream out of it. Nice sorbet. So we have a few pints chilling in the fridge. We've got some mandarin oranges. We've got some pineapple chunks. We made some like blueberries and cream ice cream that's chilling and ready to go. Man, this thing is just incredible. I usually don't buy the hype on like single use appliances, but you know, I'm a believer. This thing is incredible. I love it. So before we started our started recording, started started airing this nerd bomber had mentioned this to me and i told her that i had some potentially stirring thoughts on this that i've made her wait very patiently for because she basically was like yeah you know come over and we'll have some an ice cream sundae party cream on you some some clutch cream you know and what i wanted to say at the time what what i withheld because that would make for good in episode content is that if you ask me if i want ice cream first of all the answer is yes i want ice cream i want uh vanilla and chocolate chocolate sauce and that's it i mean that can be arranged yeah like the, the it question can be arranged, was tell us it's, tell it's, us your flavor and we'll hook you up with some homemade it, ice but, cream uh, there's no way that's not a little bit considering everything you just said and put it this way i've voiced that opinion before in other crowds and i've been you need better friends i've been mocked and I, mocked I don't, I don't for like for vanilla reason. ice cream yeah, there's nothing wrong with that and honestly we can make vanilla ice cream and then if we don't want to eat plain vanilla ice cream we'll just throw some blueberries and chocolate syrup on ours no one is like imposed in any way plain is like plain vanilla is one of the most inoffensive ice cream flavors ever like everybody should like it because and, you can make it whatever you want and it's by the way plate. we keep plain vanilla stocked in our house because of that exact reason People, you never know I'm, I'm just I'm just saying people have been borderline offended by that opinion of mine. Well, those so people I, th- can th- just... First of all, thank you. ...can just go take a hike. Tell them that. Next so, time you yeah, get mocked, I'll, say, my friend Nerd Bomber wants you to go take a freaking hike. But say it like you need exercise, like that kind of tone. So this way they also like have some self-esteem oh, issues. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. It like destroys them. Okay, I'll come over for ice cream then. M- mission accomplished. Problem solved. It is good stuff, though. It is like... It takes a little bit like our first batch was a little like ice chippy, but you experiment a little bit. I mean, we've only made three so far and it's progressively getting better. So it's good stuff. It's just basically the book doesn't tell you. So this is a pro tip. If you buy one of these machines, the book does not tell you that you should take it out and let it thaw for like 15 to 20 minutes because you have to basically prepare the pint the day before and freeze it overnight because like and i said this when we were offline too but if you throw a can of like warm warm pineapples and syrup into this thing like i'm sorry you're not getting ice cream you're just getting like weirdly stirred up pineapples no you have to like do a little bit of prep work but the pro tip is if you do take it out and let it thaw for about 20 minutes like the ice crystals kind of break down a little bit so you don't have to re-spin it in order to get creamy ice cream so some might call that melt Yes, (laughs) Yes, yes, <laughs> they will melt. But yeah, so that has been really great and I've been having a blast with that. So thank you, mom. Thank you for that gift. It was it was so great so far. I love it. Shout um, out to Mrs. Nerbomber. 
But the other thing is I finished the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It was better than I thought. So I know I talked about this a little bit last week, but I did wrap it up since then. It's essentially the prologue to The Hunger Games and it follows President Snow when he's a boy and how he gets involved in The Hunger Games to begin with and essentially like his journey to becoming the bad person that he becomes that you meet when you start reading or watching The Hunger Games with Katniss. And it also tells the story of the first District 12 victor, which they kind of touch on in the first book a little bit. Like they don't mention her by name, but they do like casually just throw it in there that like there was a previous victor from District 12. And it was a, a, I mean, if you like The Hunger Games, it was a good book. I enjoyed it. I think it really gave a like in the in the beginning of the book, you kind of start to like President Snow, but then you kind of see how he descends into darkness and the things that influence him and impact him and how society kind of warps him to become the person that you meet in the original trilogy. Was, was this an ultimate power corrupts ultimately kind of story? Not really. It was more like getting beaten down by an evil person and almost developing Stockholm syndrome to their views a little bit, like okay. where the goodness is kind of like beaten out of you a little bit. So it was it was an interesting read. I'm going to be interested to see how they adapt it into a movie. I know I've already seen a few like screenshots that came out of the movie. I think it could be pretty fun. I don't know if you like the Hunger Games, it's kind of more of the same, a little bit better quality of writing. Not that the Hunger Games, the books were like bad writing, but like you can definitely tell that Suzanne Collins has improved her craft even since the Hunger Games trilogy came out. So that is that. Yeah, for I, mean, me. I, I really, I really enjoyed the original trilogy. So that's a, it's a good wreck. Yeah, you should uh, take a peek at the book. It's pretty good. T Dog, what do you have for us today? So I have two things that I want to talk about. One, a while back. Nerd Bomber started playing Crab Champions, and she crab became Champions. a Crab Champion. We tried to play together. However, you needed to buy a second copy of the game to play in the same household. I did it. I bought a second copy, guys. Eight he, bucks. He went, he went for it. Eight bucks I went for it. So she was playing on her Steam Deck. I was playing on our PC. And guys, this game's the real deal. It is, it is legitimately fun. I think it plays much. So I played it a little bit on single player before um, co-opting it up. And the co-op just makes it so much better. It, it makes the punishment of a roguelite game less punishing because if you die, but your partner kind of finishes the round, you come back so you guys can keep progressing and you don't, it's not like it's over and you got to start all over. So it gives you kind of like a saving grace. Which it helps is, when you have a crab champion on your team. Which is nice. Would you say that you're a crab champion at this point? Technically, yes. Could I do it alone? No. But I also play on medium okay. mode. Some of the other crab champions I'm familiar with. Did you did you become a crab champion alone on medium? Not alone on normal mode. I did it alone on easy. But I think maybe no. It, it's very difficult. So like the difficulty doesn't scale up or down based on the number of people. I don't believe. So like it's easier when you have other people on your team. There's a lesson there. There's a moral. Teamwork makes the dream work. The, what what no does, does where where it does scale with more people is the amount of money you get to make useful upgrades. So you're kind of stifled a little bit more the more people you have. So it's like yes, it you get like the saving grace to die, but you also have less money to upgrade yourself to become more powerful. So it's I think the net gain is still better in co-op, but but there is push. But there is thing. yeah. And then the other thing that I want to talk about was we watched the Puss in Boots movie. Puss in Boots. And yeah, it, it's supposed to be really good. I got it. It was it was really good. It was borderline like 
I was watching it and I was like, this has got to be scary for little kids. And then Nerd Bomber enlightened me about how traumatizing a lot of the Disney movies were when we were little anyway. So I guess it's right on par with the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Scars, Be Prepared, whole like scene and song terrified me as a kid. But yeah, it, Fox it, and the Hound it's is really like a good. profound movie about grief. They like, like for kids had like these like terrifying characters, a lot of humor that is good for both like adults and children. And it's just, it's so good. There's a lot of like correlations to to characters in the show and, and people and like real people in real life that you can kind of correlate and find, get, a, get a little bit of a kick there. And it's, it's just a fun time. If you had to put this, like rank it amongst the Shrekiverse, I will call it, because there have been other Puss in Boots movies. I know you haven't watched them yet. But like compared to like Shrek 2 or 3 and the original Shrek, where would you... I liked Shrek 2. So I would do Shrek 1, Shrek 2, Puss in Boots, as in all of the other garbage. Just they never made that stuff. I think this would be my second favorite. Like I think it would go Shrek and then Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is what this movie's full title is. Isn't was. Shrek 2 the one that has the I Need a Hero? Because yeah. if so, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. I've never seen The Last Wish, but there's no way you're But wrong I was correct. That. Is what you're saying. I think you were right. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know I'm right. I, I I'll still, be the judge. I'll stand by what I said. I think it was that good. I think it goes between Shrek and Shrek 2. I'll tell you, that's high praise. That, that That's high praise. Well, cool. I think the other thing you've been up to is, yeah, you've been preparing a quiz. Is that is that a fair statement? Yes. Uh, well, without further ado, take it away. So the quiz topic is the Hunger Games, and it seems like Nerd Bomber already has an advantage, and it's not because of her score in the standings, but that is also another advantage. Yeah, let me <laughs> give a score update. So yeah, Tactic 5 and 3, Nerd Bomber 4 and 4, uh, yours truly 3 and 7. Stephen, want to know? Congrats to Stephen. Yeah, no, I'll, I'm willing to take my lumps here. This isn't, this doesn't seem good. Yeah. But so uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here. It seems of all of us, she's the number one biggest fan of the Hunger Games. But however, I've, if we, if history serves itself, I've beaten some other self-proclaimed experts, and same thing one for the other members. So it's anyone's game. With that, when was the first Hunger Games book released? And we're gonna have Nerd Bomber go first. What year? Two thousand six. I think. Ooh, that's a good guess. Oh, that's a good, that's a good guess. I have to take a risk here. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, we're going to go Jesus times. We're going to go as far back as we can. Jesus times. Nerd Bomber guesses one. You should have plus one it. I thought about it. it. That was the risk I was going to take. September 14th, 2008. Okay, good start. Uh, yeah, this seems about right so far. Okay. I, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. Through all the Hunger Games movies, Catching Fire was the most successful. How much did it gross worldwide? $847.4 million. I don't think it was quite that much. I'm going to say $200 million, million, which I know admittedly is low, but I'm going to lowball it. All right. So Illegal gets this one. It was 847 no okay 865 that's so really close wow that's what i'm talking 11, about 11,746 i'll take the point you have your you have a game here no bomber in order to gain extra food for his family and reduce the chance of his three younger siblings being chosen as a district 12 tribute how many times was gail hawthorne's name in the reaping that's a really good question first of all that's a great props question. for that props for that question i it was like a I can't remember. It was a crazy amount, I want to say, though. I'm going to say 20. I, I agree. I think it was a crazy amount. I'm going to say 21 to be safe. I'm going to use my plus one. So Illegal gets this one, too. It was the answer to all things ever. 
42. Yeah. I'm proud of okay, you guys. I'm really proud of you guys. Yeah. Next question. How many Hunger Games were completed? Oof, that's another good question. 127. Yep, 127. It puts me in a bind. This is not my answer. I wanted to say 125 because it was like one of the final Hunger Games when they escaped the quarter quell, which is how the all the ex-contestants and stuff came back into the games. Uh, but was that completed? I'm going to say 128. We did it. Is that respect? That's like so close to his answer. He said 127. I plus one him. Oh, yeah. Okay. She used the plus one. I thought he said five. She did it. Um, so you both busted. Ah, cool. Kat- Katniss Everdeen participated in the 75th Hunger Games. It was only 75. Oh, and oh okay. that one got all done messed up. So really, 74 were, were completed. Sure. Okay. That's that's great for me. We're going into the last question, and Nerd Bomber has no plus one. I feel I feel okay. How many books are in print, including the trilogies, as well as movie tie-ins and prequels? Oh, so like variants? Yeah. Are you are you talking about like even like international editions, like non-English editions? Yes. All v- books worldwide. There's four books total. It's more than four. I know that. Yeah. I'm assuming like they got reprinted for the movie tie-in and then probably had like a special edition each. Well, the original three. So it's three times three times three plus. She's so, math and y'all. Yeah, I'm Can 30 and then maybe like 20 different countries. So 600. You think 600 books were printed? Yes. Worldwide. Do you mean? Well, wait, well, okay. Like, like total number? I'm talking copies. Oh, okay, you're like being indivi- yeah, you're being you're, very confusing. Yeah. Like individual books. How many been- copies of all of the books? Like if you took oh, all of the I Hunger Games books shit, in the world and put them in a pile. Yeah. Okay. How I'm many just, are there? This is just a wild stab then. I'm going to say probably like, I don't know, 100 million. Okay. It's got to be more than that. Uh, I'm going to say 300 million. So you both busted. Really? Uh, that's fine. It's 26 million books in the trilogy and all other books. are. That's different. it? It doesn't seem Weird. like enough. Yeah. Holy crap, I won. Oh my goodness. And it was in spectacular fashion. Both of us busted twice, but I'll I'll take the win. That, that's that's how you do it. So I moved to four and seven, Nerd Bomber to four and five, Tactic remains at five and three. The standings, therefore, obviously do not change. And I'll be hosting next week's quiz. Hopefully you show up for that. Hopefully you just show up again just in general. We'd, we'd love to have you. So uh, stop on by again. In the meantime, you can leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. And I uh, mentioned, well, hit us up on our Twitter handles, handles already mentioned. And uh, yeah, stay safe and keep on podcasting. Have a great week, everyone.